1: Three, two, one. All right, we are back. Happy Friday, everyone. Happy Memorial Day. Um, Memorial Day during a pandemic will feel a little bit different, but there you go. Welcome to today's show, Julie.
2: Yes, thank you. And uh, it will be an interesting weekend to see how everybody handles it.
1: Yeah, I know. Exactly. How's that going to work? I just ordered a dehumidifier for our garage because uh, we live here in the tropics and really, essentially, it's like, you know, living in the tropics. So (laughs) everything needs dehumidified. And uh, I ordered it from Home Depot. We have to swing by Home Depot, but we have to wait for them to text us to set up a half-hour delivery time. And then they do. You know, we have to drive in and wait in the line, and then wait for somebody to come up, ask for a number, so they then could put a dehumidifier in the trunk of our car. Yes, that's I the new reality. I know. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. Certainly ever. isn't easier.
2: That's for sure.
1: No, that's for sure. So we have a lot of interesting headlines. As always, we are going to do our best to keep you guys way ahead of the curve, and um. It is fun to see, Julie, that the things that we talk about like two weeks ago or the things that Mm -hmm. people are talking about now, our our predicting uh, mechanism, our predicting machine is working well. Yes. But you know why we are, I think, pretty much spot on with everything um, that we're predicting is going to happen. It's easy for us to have that advantage because we have all of you guys as coaching clients. Mm -hmm. And all of you are telling us what's happening across the country and in Canada. And we're hearing that, you know, this is what's really going on versus this is what the you know news might be reporting. So we will always have leading edge information because we're frankly have so many coaching clients, thousands of coaching clients. And uh, between the premier coaching program and between private coaching and you know all the other sources and ways we uh, stay in contact with you guys, we get constant never ending data reports. streams of this mm-hmm. is the truth of what's happening. Um, so, yeah, that's how we're doing it. And we have, you know, more perspective on some of the headlines that are coming out now. Um, and over this sort of long holiday weekend, you're going to be hearing probably a lot more sort of droll news headlines coming out about the economy and housing in particular. And we're going to give you the information that's going to balance out that, um, you know, that bad news so that you can make your own decision. You can be an informed Real estate professional. So when you're running into people, hopefully six feet away from each other (laughs) at your picnics this weekend, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I'm I'm saying that with a half smile on my face, knowing that, you know, maybe that is the best course of action. Who knows? It's too soon to tell. But um, the moral of the story is people are going to be asking you about the real estate market. And this is a way you can know. Um. With not without just sounding like you're just parroting something you heard on CNN. So that's what we are striving to do on today's show to keep you guys informed. So people will see you as a caring, competent professional uh, opposed to just another, you know, person, real estate agent. <laughs> yes. That's right. So headlines.
2: All right. Well, uh, in our continuing reporting of what we might call extenuating circumstances, unintended consequences, the Mall of America hasn't paid its mortgage in two months. The biggest shopping center in the country, called the Mall of America, has missed two months of payments on its, wait for it, $1.4 billion mortgage. That's a big one. Next to hotel owners, retailers have been the hardest hit in the COVID-19 crisis. Um, and basically, that's on its way out,
1: I So, guess. So what a lot of people, well, probably not, but what mm-hmm. a lot of people don't understand is um, big businesses will use... Essentially, situations like this is an opportunity to renegotiate their deals, and they
2: can get forbearances too in some cases.
1: Yeah, but that, that's probably not at the heart of really what the issue is. The heart of the issue is they probably, you know, wrote their lease, their long-term lease, and their debt structure was, you know, predicated on different economic times. And what they're going to do is basically, you know, create hardship so that they'll pull the their investors and maybe even their landlords or however that deal structured back to the table so they can can get a deal that's more congruent with today's financial times. Mm-hmm. And so when you guys hear about some of these headlines about these bankruptcies, it doesn't necessarily mean those stores and those businesses are going to go out of business. What a bankruptcy does is basically gives people. And business, you know, businesses and people, it gives them an opportunity to basically uh, hit reset on their financial debt structure, and usually that means that the business comes out of it on the other side stronger, or the you know the person does stronger. And it is ironic. I was reading that article. That, you know, it was a long article, but the gist of it is, is after somebody, individuals or businesses, actually go through debt restructuring, even if it's bankruptcy, it's actually easier for them to get credit. You know, which is absolutely crazy, but there it is. So it's not always what the headline would lead you to believe is my point. So don't think that just because, um, you know, you're going to be hearing about Mall of America missing two of their monthly payments for on their $1.5 no. billion dollar mortgage. God, can you imagine what that is? <laughs>
2: I can't do that quick calculation yeah. but it's a lot let's go to
1: quicken loans and put in 1.5 billion and see what the payment is <laughs> i
2: wonder if it can take that money zeroes yeah
1: it must be tens of millions yeah. of dollars yeah. is the moral of the story you want to bet it's a ninja interest only loan yeah, too right probably <laughs> that's right mm-hmm. all right next news story julie
2: all right uh the pandemic increases the challenges facing business schools lockdown has delivered a nasty shock to academia with universities around the world closing for the summer term disrupting the plans of millions of students. Business schools are suffering along with the rest, but the shutdown has occurred when it, they've already been facing a host of problems. A survey of the deans of American business schools uh, found that almost all the pandemic, uh, they all thought the pandemic would lead to permanent closures. So that's something to keep an eye on. I think it's not just business schools. There's a lot of uh, school reporting going on right now.
1: Well, let's, so let's drill down on that. I think that's a really a fascinating you know, situation that's happening. And I think about Verbella you know, with EXP. So last week, Verbella, well, EXP had their online shareholder summit, which is normally in Florida and, and Orlando. And so here's some interesting statistics. I don't know if I told you this. I know I didn't. So yep. listen. So normally when EXP does their shareholder summit, they have between two and 3,000 people that fly in. From all over the world, mm-hmm. basically, you know, hang out in Orlando. You, they do their thing. Do their event thing. Yeah, but mm-hmm. two, two thousand to three thousand. That's not a lot of people. Yeah, it's not. No. but but I bet you that event costs realistically exp. You know, I don't know about a million dollars, for probably seven hundred and fifty grand, maybe a million dollars. You know, probably that. So that's a, that's just spent money. That's just money that essentially mm-hmm. you know all the tickets and all the you know. Breakout sessions that cost $5 will never cover the cost of those events. That's just a loss. So, last week, mm-hmm. since basically, you know, the coronavirus has shut everything down, they did shareholders in Verbella, which eXp owns. Right. And there are 15,000 unique. Wow.
2: That's I know, interesting, isn't it? I just
1: learned that on Thursday. I should have mentioned it yesterday. Hmm. Yeah, but there are 15,000 unique IP addresses that logged in, which means there's 15, you know, Translating nerd there for you guys. That means there's fifteen thousand different people that attended EXP's event last week on Verbella online, and a lot of people um, were had re- attended it every day, all day. So they basically turned their computers on, and they were attending EXP's wow. um, shareholder summit all day every day. Well, versus what? Watching Netflix? I mean, right. at this point, there's no new Netflix They're to watch. <laughs>
2: Let's run its course.
1: <laughs> well, so I thought that was really interesting. And then when I came across that article that you just read about Harvard and Yale, I was thinking about... Well,
2: this, that's the next one that I'm going to Oh, read. Is your,
1: okay. Well, so go ahead. I'm yeah. sorry. Well, to... so
2: in related education news, and and I'm I'm calculating like You know if if a lot of these schools have to go online really i mean they can handle more students than they could if they've got to seat everybody so maybe that's the new profit model too for them okay so next headline is harvard is sued over quote subpar online online learning amid pandemic this makes harvard at least the fourth ivy league school to be targeted for failing to reimburse educational costs following brown columbia and cornell the school is facing a 5 million dollar federal class action lawsuit Students chose to pursue legal action as a result of not having, quote, received the benefit of an in-person instruction or equivalent access to u- university facilities and services. Harvard confirmed awareness of the suit in a statement to campus reform, although the university had no further comment on it. Um,
1: it there, the it's the it. use
2: of their financing that finances has been called into question and the quality. I mean, really.
1: So the gist of the article so is saying. basically, and it's not, this is a normal um, type of experience for, like, you would expect Harvard and Yale to have some sort of online presence that was, you know, up to par, but it wasn't. And you can't throw a bunch of Zoom meetings together and expect that someone's going to be willing to pay the full vote that they would have otherwise for your, you know, ridiculously expensive $75,000 a year MBA program at Harvard, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So the reality of it is, is that there were thousands of businesses and educational institutions that were caught completely by surprise and now all of them are rushing to figure out what their new online solution is going to be in anticipation of this happening again or and the fact that people's expectations have changed and we've been talking to you guys for you know months about the fact that there are going to be tons and tons of major seismic shifts, and the way everybody and everything interacts with each other because of the coronavirus, because the coronavirus really sort of accelerated. So using this as an example, online education, it used to be online education was somehow like, you know, I don't even know how to describe it. The normal like the way the media treated it, the way normal universities treated it, the way the government treated it. it the online universe was somehow some kind of, you know, plague that needed to be purged from the, you know, Academia, academic halls of perfection. Well, it's like somehow like
2: an, aff- an affront to the traditional right. model.
1: Right, and it was because what it is is a competition to the traditional model and the mm-hmm. competition doesn't like, you know, the traditional model didn't like the competition. Well, now what coronavirus has done because of it, it's accelerated that acceptance curve by how many decades, God knows, right? To the point now where if Harvard all of a sudden is forced to essentially have a robust online Um, you know, situation for their MBAs, for people paying $75,000 a year to get Harvard MBAs. Everyone else is going to do the same thing. And that's one of those transformative things. It's really fascinating to watch from the cheap seats where all of us are sitting together, right? Because you're going to see it happening for businesses, obviously schools, universities. Um, You know, I have often wondered, and you and I talked about this like two Mm -hmm. months ago, why is it that they don't do first run movies like pay-per-view does for like MMA fights Mm -hmm. and whatnot. Julie's a big MMA fight. Yeah. She's a big, That's all I do. She's a big mixed martial arts girl. She can't
2: tear me away from it, <laughs> as
1: if. Well, but, but, but really, if you look at boxing and you look at all these other things, you pay a mm-hmm. huge amount of money yeah. to watch a boxing match that watches you know, the last three seconds. Well, why aren't they taking first-run movies and this new movie, You know, Tom Cruise, whatever, whatever, everyone basically on Friday night is going to be sitting at home in their own home theaters, be it on their iPhones or whatnot, And they're going to be watching this movie, and that's how maybe okay. Now, why isn't that happened? Because every the technology is there. It's because there's these long-term business arrangements in leases with movie theaters. That's why. Okay, now so here's an interesting prediction for all of you. This is going to be again the opportunity for the movie uh, man. You know, essentially the. Uh, all the Fox Studios and all these other places, Paramount. This might be the very thing that they've been waiting for to take out the movie theaters, which probably just was a legacy cost. They may have been waiting around for the opportunity to finally put the final nail in the coffin of going to a movie theater. Look, movie theaters are fun. They're, you know, they are what they are. But I'd much rather watch a movie at home, (laughs) I would, than basically being (laughs) stuck in some dark, dank, nasty, sort sort of stinky, God knows what's going on around you place. Now we have, now. Right. And now people are going to, you know, I can't be alone in thinking that. And so now coronavirus is going to probably usher along a whole new era in something as silly as first run movies, which I think is exciting and it's great. Um, and you're seeing like car dealers. Oh my gosh. We have friends that have, you know, droves of car dealerships and new car dealerships and they have not sold any cars. Like one of them had sold four cars in the month of March or something. And I forget how many employees he had and the whole thing. And he was, you know, very well off and wasn't overly concerned about it. But how's the car business going to change now, in essence, since people don't have to travel as much, since they're going to be sticking at home more? They don't have to maybe be yeah. sitting. You guys see all these unintended consequences? They're good ones and then they're bad ones. Unintended consequences on the, the good side is what you need to be focusing on because that's where you're going to look for them. That's where you're going to see the most opportunity. You know, and again, we've been talking on our podcast about the macro housing trends that are starting to change and we're gonna share more and more of that information that by the way we learned directly from our coaching (laughs) clients. Mm -hmm. All right, here's another interesting article, Julie. Did you see the one I sent to you from CNBC about mortgage bailout?
2: Yes. At first some who took the mortgage bailout didn't need it, but now most do. Of the four point two five million homeowners who were in forbearance, gosh, that's a ton. At the end of April, nearly half of them actually did make their uh, monthly mortgage payment anyway. However, as of this week, 4.75 million homeowners are in government or private sector mortgage forbearance programs, equivalent to 9% of all mortgages outstanding. New analysis shows a large number of these borrowers initially did not need the bailout, but now more do. Uh, So while the number of new borrowers entering the plan slowed, uh, let's see, Black Knight found a surprising twist in the data. Of the 4.25 million homeowners in forbearance, Half of them made their payment and 54% did not. They expect that to change this month. As of May 19th, just 21% uh, had made their May payment. So you can see it's already going down. And you know, people are doing pretty much exactly what we talked about when this was rolled out set it up have a backup plan you don't know what's going to happen okay first month you felt confident now they're starting to miss payments and julie's
1: talking about mortgage forbearance Mm -hmm. we've spent a lot of time on our podcast and a lot of time in coaching telling you guys how to get forbearances begging and pleading that you do it even if as you were just listening some you choose to still make your payment that's fine but we need you to be prepared for what probably is going to be a very you know significant slowdown come fourth quarter it is natural and normal for the markets except in you know vacation property markets and you know where snowbirds go let's say i realize those markets are the opposite of the rest of the world but for the most part the markets definitely slow down in fourth quarter it happens every year that happens when there's not a depression or a recession that happens when there's not a pandemic right when there's not an election but this year you can rest assured that we're not going to be ending the year with a boom so sell your butts off now because we are going to be experiencing a i think a decidedly, a decidedly wonderful shift in the market where it's going to feel like a seller's market we are hearing from all of our coaching clients mm-hmm. that they're getting really frankly picking up the sales that they had already lost for the past almost 90 days and everything's back on track for the most part but everyone listen to what julie and i are saying it's not going to last so make the most of it now mortgage forbearances um you know your ppp loan your eidl loan um the different programs the different different government lifeline programs that were created for all of you are you taking advantage of these we've made it very easy for you to shortcut your learning curve on all that we've encapsulated all the information we've you know dug through all the websites and all the forms and we've given you all the best information, and it is free. It is part of our free coaching program that we introduced, by the way, as a result of us trying to help you, all of you guys during the pandemic. And all you have to do is text the word SURVIVAL to 31996. And when you do, we're going to text you back a JOIN link. And on that JOIN link, you're going to be able to then obviously log into the website, get the Ultimate Agent Survival Guide, which is what we call it. And within the first section, which is called Personal, you're going to find all the information I just promised. So do not wait in getting that done. You absolutely positively need to get that done. We have had a lot of you who are being uh, who are getting your PPP loans, and that's fantastic. Um, there is a relatively complicated way to document the fact that you use the PPP loan for. Uh, It's intended purposes and we have included all that information on the ultimate agent survival guide and you need to start getting uh, filling out that paperwork. It's not anything you need any accounting help with. It's relatively straightforward. There just is a lot of it
2: and it is required. It didn't used to be. This was like a thing that came back came out last week. When everybody was questioning, well, how, how exactly are we going to facilitate a loan turning into a grant? This is how you have to use their form.
1: Right. And you fill out this form, and then the loan that you got from the uh, SBA for your you know paycheck protection program will be turned into a grant. A grant is, in essence, free money, right? So the other thing is the EIDL loan. Um, and the EIDL loan that we went there's two on the website. I know it's kind of confusing when you log into the SBA site. But we on the, uh, you know, essentially in the free coaching program, we have given you the correct link and all the correct paperwork and telling you exactly how to fill it out. Most of you are getting um, loans, and this is a loan, not a grant. Most of you are getting EIDL loans, which is different from the PPP. You're getting them approved and relatively quick. We, now, here's the deal with the EIDL loans. Like I had a, you know, coaching client that has approved yesterday for $150,000. The uh, If I remember correctly... The amount was amortized over thirty years. The payment was like seven hundred and seventy bucks a month, or something like that. Um, but he doesn't. He can just basically make the payment and keep the money unspent, right? And he doesn't, but the money was transferred to his account. It's sitting in his checking account. He can spend it for specific things. That's the EIDL loan is for, um, all which are you know practical business things. But the reality of it is, in his case, he's going to if he spends it at all, he's going to spend it when he has to. He's going to you know he's put all of his mortgages in forbearance in preparation of a slower market. If the market for some reason were wrong and it doesn't slow down, and you guys want to essentially give pay the the EIDL loan back just essentially write a check, send it back to them, there's no prepayment penalty. you know. So if you listen to what we're telling you, we're going to give you best practices on how to essentially maneuver through this rapidly changing market. You know, It's gonna be up and then it's gonna be down. And it looks from all measures, from everything we're reading, everything we pay attention to, it definitely looks like we're gonna be in a long-term, call it what you will, recession or depression. And by long-term, three to five years, with another probably three to five years to actually get back to where we were just two months ago. That is what happens when you shut the global economy down. That is what happens when you pump trillions of dollars into the economy. Those are the, the unintended consequences are just getting started. Julie?
2: That's right. So on to things that we love and things we hate. I'm going to start with something I hate. Noah came out with its hurricane season predictions. <sighs> The uh, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, that's NOAA, predicts 2020 will be an above-average hurricane season with up to 10 hurricanes. Uh, NOAA expects three to six to be Category three or higher, which is uh, wind speeds of 110 or more. So that's something to add to a pandemic. Why not?
1: Well, so and, you know, and, and not and a the, big fan of that. But sorry. has there ever been a, a year where NOAA hasn't predicted? There's uh, going to be hurricanes. More now. hurricanes. And has there ever been a <laughs> I don't year? I think so. Has there ever it been a year? It has been
2: five years in a row that has broken normal averages. That's But
1: true. when we live back in Ohio, has mm-hmm. there ever been a year where they didn't predict it was going to be the worst winter ever? No. No. It's just something you say. Weather a, drama.
2: Weather drama. Weather drama. So we'll take that one with a grain of salt and, and uh, take one storm at a time. In other news, uh, yep. things I love. Well, this is the big day for Miss Zoe. She is... Experiencing her very last day of kindergarten and super excited to go on to first grade, but it's been interesting to see her process it. She was talking about how she's excited and sad at the same time and do I have to graduate or can I go to kindergarten again? <laughs> and then she's like, well, maybe not if I'm gonna be the only person, but what if I was the only person who graduated? But what that shows me is that without having the communal class graduation, like all in one day with a big deal walking across the stage or whatever, they're pretty disjointed about how they feel about it. So she literally went through almost every classmate of all of her 19 friends and asked if each one of them was going to be allowed to go to first grade. <laughs> so, you know, she's checking the boxes, but it's exciting.
1: That is exciting. Yeah. Well, let's see. Things I love, things I hate. Actually, I'm not prepared. I haven't come across anything That's I particularly right. hated or anything I particularly <laughs> loved. Oh, okay. I'll tell you one thing. I love the fact that Joe Rogan has moved his uh, podcast mm-hmm. over sure. Spotify. Mm-hmm. So I love the fact that Joe Rogan – so Joe Rogan, guys, is the number – he has a podcast that he does. If you don't listen to it, you should. He does it virtually every single day. But his podcast is then – he puts it on YouTube and he just you know basically syndicates it. And he has essentially the largest daily listened-to, consumed media platform on planet Earth, Joe Rogan. Okay, he has more people listening to him on podcasts, watching the same podcast on YouTube than essentially virtually anything else. New York Times doesn't have as many people paying attention. The three major news outlets don't have as many people paying attention. So evidently, there's a story that I believe is true that uh, YouTube. So Joe likes to talk about what Joe's going to talk about. And this is not you know rowdy stuff. This is a lot of it's essentially. Uh, I would call it contrarian information. I would call it sometimes conspiracy sort of information. I would call it information that definitely most people uh, don't talk about but should know about at the very least. He doesn't go and he doesn't go too far ahead of his skis and talking about anything too crazy. But what he does is he interviews, you know, essentially people that aren't certainly mainstream. He'll interview well Jordan Peterson, who some of you guys have known about. He essentially struck it big when he went on Joe's podcast. But people thought Joe Peter, or Jordan Peterson was some sort of crazy right wing Nazi zealot, and then they got to know him on Joe's podcast, and then essentially you know jordan's podcast or jordan's book and his podcast and speak engagements and now there's a slight wrinkle in the social fabric and people are starting to listen more and more to the types of thoughts that are coming out of someone like jordan peterson those types of things are counter to the you know generalized mass media message and also what's really fascinating is i didn't know this but essentially on youtube uh you will uh be demonetized or in some cases your videos will not be searchable if you're talking about things like the coronavirus and you're not saying essentially the government dogma you're not you're not essentially passing along the same sort of information that's essentially coming out of the government if you were to have on your podcast a doctor who does not necessarily agree with the you know news or as it's being reported about a particular you know say the coronavirus um, YouTube is taking those videos down or they're hiding them, and that's happening on Twitter too. So, what's happened is is all these big media platforms, YouTube, you know, really Facebook to a large extent, Twitter, uh, all of these, you know, different, the podcasting space is somewhat safe. There hasn't been a lot of essentially um, editing of free speech on the podcasting formats, but you know, it's coming. And so what Joe evidently was having problems with was YouTube essentially trying to tell him what he's allowed to talk about. And there was a really good example. So Joe had, um, what's his name? Elon Musk mm-hmm. on his podcast. And Elon Musk, in the, like three quarters of the way through it, started talking about the coronavirus. Well, Joe tracked the number of downloads to that Elon Musk uh, interview. It was well over 100 million. But what YouTube had did, and what somehow the numbers were reported, and then the, essentially the media was not easy to find of that podcast unless you go to iTunes or something, um, and they reported it as being something like a million. So not only did they make it not easy to find and download, but they also were misreporting the number of people that actually were interested in the content. It's complete and total overreach. Now, these are private companies, and they have their terms of service, and they can do what they want to. You want to broadcast on their platforms, I suppose you have to comply. But at what time? Do at what point do some of these... Uh, terms of service basically become overreaching, anti-free speech and all these types of things. I don't know. I don't have the answer to it. But this is what, supposedly, this is the reason that Joe decided to go to Spotify because the deal he struck with Spotify was that, well, A, he's going to get $100 million. There's that. And B, and it wasn't all lump sum. It's over a contract. And B, he is essentially going to be allowed to syndicate and talk about whatever he wants to. And they're essentially not going to do any policing or trying to controlling of his information. So the rumor is, and what he is you know, saying through different people is, the reason he uh, took the Spotify contract was because, now he was making, by the way, $50 million a year from his podcast. So real, realistically, the Spotify deal might actually net him less than what he's making now. So for those of you who are not clear, you can make money from podcasts. Well, maybe you should start thinking about that because you absolutely can. Um, So overall, it seems like it's going to be an interesting twist because if Joe is the biggest big mouth on the block and he's actually commanding more audience and attention than all the traditional media outlets and he is now going to be given free liberty to talk about things that are, let's say for example, more libertarian in nature or maybe more controversial and less mainstream, that means those topics are then going to have a lot of fuel on them that um, I know Twitters of the world aren't going to be able to stymie. I think that's fascinating. So I guess that goes in the category of what I love and what I hate. What do yeah, you think about for that? for sure.
2: Well, I mean, it's all interesting to see how it's going to transpire and how these businesses are handling it and how it's all going to change, how we might be affected by some of this. Yeah. So,
1: I mean, we're know. on Spotify, but they didn't pay us $100 million. Yeah,
2: well, maybe we should write a letter about that now that there's precedent. <laughs> I'm just saying, what does that calculate to per listener times how many listen? I don't know how they do that.
1: Well, I'll tell you because I researched it. Basically, for every thousand um, listens you have or downloads you have, Mm -hmm. it's uh, per uh, see for every thousand, it's basically worked out to be about $150. So if you have a podcast where you have. Um, you know, ten thousand people yeah. listen to stream, which is very few. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's very few podcasts in the world that have that many. Ours does, sure. Mm-hmm. But then we could hypothetically be essentially making about fifteen hundred bucks a day from doing podcasts.
2: Hey, I like how that sounds. Yeah, well, Another's we never spoke.
1: But well, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe we'll do that. I mean, but truthfully, yeah. we, don't, we the only thing we uh, products we push on our podcast are ours. You know, we don't promote that's anybody true. else's. And uh, we've done that for the most part because we wanted to keep our messaging pure. Because whenever you start taking somebody's money, you know, because they're an advertiser or marketer, then they're going to have some influence on your messaging of what you're willing to say. Um, and so that's... I guess the primary reason why we haven't done it but hey Mm -hmm. there's a little meandering down the black hole for all of you guys to learn from (laughs) right well anything else you'd like to say these guys julie Uh,
2: no just you know keep an eye i think there's that uh we have a mixture of good news and bad news happening out there but we're trying to always sort it out for you and let you know what affects you so watch what's happening with mortgages certainly dot your eyes cross your t's make hay while the sun shines things are changing very quickly but it's your job to participate in it
1: hey god bless all of you happy memorial day